Well, once again, the Ramble Room has its normal content of usual suspects. We're all here. There's nothing normal about this. Well, I was about to say Joseph first. Yes. <laughs> now I'm insulted, Sarah. Thanks a lot. Joseph, Diane, Sarah, and your host, Ken. We're all hosts. Hmm. There's a host of hosts. We're all hosts of viruses and parasites. Oh, thanks. So anyway, what we <laughs> want to do, we want to start out by playing an excerpt from a speech by FDR, Franklin Delano Roosevelt. And this was prior to the United States being involved in World War II. He's speaking on four freedoms. We're going to play the thing and then we'll just kind of have an open discussion about what we've heard. The first is freedom of speech and expression everywhere in the world. The second is freedom of every person to worship God in his own way everywhere in the world. The third is freedom from want, which translated into world terms means economic understandings which will secure to every nation a healthy peacetime life for its inhabitants everywhere in the world. The fourth is freedom from fear, which translated into world terms means a worldwide reduction of armaments to such a point and in such a thorough fashion that no nation will be in a position to commit an act of physical aggression against any neighbor anywhere in the world. You're getting deep in here. Yeah. I wore my galoshes. <laughs> I'm very good. You might need your gaiters. Please. The first he mentioned was the freedom of speech. Spreech. Spreech. Well, first, you ain't taking very good advantage of it, Ken, with the your first speeches. <laughs> but he said freedom of expression, too, and he can say that if he wants to. I, I suppose he could. <laughs> the first one he mentioned was freedom of speech or expression. Everywhere in the world. Yes. Everywhere in the world. How do you ensure that? The internet. <laughs> We've done it. Yeah. Bye, Joe. <laughs> Bye, Roosevelt. Oh, I, I find that particularly interesting because I happen to believe that Roosevelt was one of the first prominent characters in trying to develop a one-world government. And if you were going to have all the way around the world one set of ideals or rights, there must then be one government or one governing body which protects those rights or advances those ideals. I don't see how you could get there otherwise. Is when the United States came out and said our First Amendment guarantees the freedom of speech, it was talking about to U.S. citizens. It didn't say that you're going to go to Zambia or you're going to go to one of the farthest, remotest corners of the world and those people will be given the same rights. We can't control that unless we control them. Well, and then the the way to do that would have to be you go to each country, you knock down 
well, whoever's in charge there, and you set up another government. And we watched that happening over and over again in the 70s and 80s, you know, when we were young, with the United States going in and saying, well, okay, we're going to support this guy and yeah. not that one by selling them arms and right. um, all well, kinds of things. Still doing that today. Right. Some level. Or, yeah. But if you go back, this was about 1941, I think some, I think it was January of 41 when he said this. Do you think we have more free speech now than we had then? <laughs> Feels like a mm, little yeah. less. Hmm. A little. Hmm. The second thing was he talked about the freedom to worship God. And I thought it was interesting that he said God, and, and assuming that everybody understood that he meant the Judeo-Christian God. Today, if that were announced, it would be the God of their choosing or no God at all. Or the planet, or well, and, and he did say in their own way to worship God in their own way. Yes, um, but to worship whom? Right. Yeah. But it, God in uh, you know the Hindu God, you know, it's, it's so you would have you'd almost you'd have to say their gods. Right. Yeah, but he didn't. Right. He just said to worship God, and it occurs to me that what he's doing is he's. He's greasing the skids, getting you to agree with him. It's an old tactic that we've all been trained in. If you want to have a discussion, if you want to be persuasive, the first thing you do is start to find common ground. Uh, but it, I, during sales, whenever I was selling my services through oh, a long sales. Sales, yes. Okay. Sales. <laughs> God dying. I thought you meant in jail. The, <laughs> the first thing that I learned, and I wasn't taught this, I just kind of picked up on it, is you get people shaking their head yes. Yes. And then you can sell them whatever you want to sell them. There's because a as long as you got them started saying yes. Yep. Well, because it's very awkward if you can hear the, the audience in the background. They're all kind of applauding. Right. It would be really awkward to just stop and go, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> we should keep carrying on the energy that wait, we started You're into with. this too? Or you, you guys are, okay. Um, I don't yep. want to feel like I'm the only idiot here. Yeah, well, because freedom of worship is, is very, sounds very sure. nice. I want freedom of worship. But we're going to guarantee it everywhere in the world. Yeah. And the same question, do you think we have more liberty to worship as we see fit today than we did in 1941? Absolutely, Absolutely not. not. No. Oh, <laughs> simultaneous in stereo. <laughs> Dolby Digital. What bothers me about this concept of all over the world is that the United States is kind of like a beacon on a hill where other countries can look at us and go, oh, we should model ourselves after that. We should try to achieve that, and that is their right to do so. But the reason why we have these things that we hold dear is because we fought for them. So who's going to be doing the fighting in order to have this all over the world? Are we volunteering our own people to go fight for other people? Or are they going to have to stand up and fight for themselves? that That's my problem with the whole globalization thing is who has to go over there and die for their freedoms? And we've seen this in the ridiculously long war in the Middle East. That's what a lot of like the parents that send their boys over there, that's what they feel like is that I'm sending my kid over there to fight somebody else's war that's been going on since the beginning of time. So what makes us so arrogant is to think that we can do this and to expend American citizens to make it happen. Well, yep. Go ahead. 
I'm I'm wondering if he was thinking back to Wilson in World War One because after that, you know, the the war had been going on for several years before America got involved, and then when we come in, it came in, it was kind of with the attitude of "We're here to save the day," and we kind of did. And so then after that, Wilson thought, well, then I am going to go over to the peace talks and I'm going to tell everyone how this should be done. And the United States will get involved in the, um, I'm sorry, I'm not being able to call up the name of the group that he was trying to do that was like the United Nations, but pre that. So he had this big idea of how it was going to be, not necessarily one world government, but we're all going to get together and get along. And I'm going to be the one telling everybody how to get along, really. And then he... Um, died in humiliation because the the United States said, we're not getting involved in that. <laughs> and so everybody was involved except the United States. But I wonder if um, Roosevelt is looking forward to our involvement in World War II. Europe's already all at war, and they need somebody to come in and broker peace. He probably, I suspect he already knew we were going to eventually be fighting that war. But was he looking at himself as Wilson didn't do this quite right, but I can do it the right way and I will tell everybody what to do in kind this... of lying in wait. Okay. Now that all of this is done, we must build up and yeah. become yeah. united at a united front. Go over and save Europe again. Right. And set him himself up in a group of whatever you might want to call it, but the United Nations and, you know, be the star guy in that one and, and Everyone will want to get along because war is so horrible. Right. Well, there's even conspiracy theories flying around out there that FDR actually in some way either provoked or helped orchestrate the attack on... Pearl Harbor. Pearl Harbor. (laughs) It's okay. Yeah. Asia's a continent. But which one? Anyway... It harbors all kinds of bad things. And Hawaii's like right off the coast of California. <laughs> Sorry, Mr. Editor. <laughs> so the third the third freedom that he brings up is this freedom from want. That's the human condition. That's communism. You're gonna be free from the human condition. I've I've heard I don't know how many brilliant leftist politicians say the only reason that we're having trouble for example with the islamic nations is they have they have wants they've been repressed they don't have the things that you and i have therefore they're restless for those things butter cinnamon sugar toast it's an absolute (laughs) denial of human nature i want hot cocoa then Mm. see you always want more this is the basic needs of the people (laughs) <laughs> Cinnamon toast and hot cocoa in an iPhone. Where yeah. was it that I read somewhere the poor you have with you always? Hmm. The Statue of Liberty. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably Shakespeare. Now she actually asked to be given the poor. Hmm. Morton salt container. Ah, uh, yes. When it rains, it pours. Yeah. Okay. Always. But uh, aren't we kind of set up in that system now with the UN? I mean, we kind of the UN is kind of the policeman of the globe like we're sitting back and we're watching everything happen and then if something happens we go in we go in here and we go in there yeah and who's and we? so that's that's the beginning stages of your new world order I'm not a big fan of the UN I never thought we should have been involved in the UN but uh I think that that's a huge part of what the uh, one world government is 
is all about. We just got to get these communists on board. These little, these little well, weirdos on board. You go back to Jimmy Carter. When Jimmy Carter was the president, he had the same idea of appeasement. The, the reason these people are upset and the reason that they're troubling everyone is because they have things that they want that they have been cheated out of. And so after the Shah of Iran was deposed and Khomeini and the rest of them take over, and they perceive on Capitol Hill a great weakness in the United States and a great lack of a willingness to defend the things that are right. And they seize 400 and some American hostages. And this goes on through the end of Carter's presidency. Reagan gets elected and within something like 48 hours, they're released. Fast forward another 35 years, 40 years. Trump is making peace deals in the Middle East. Instead of his predecessor, Obama, giving billions of dollars to Iran, <laughs> only to find that Iran is, is more and more emboldened than ever. Shocking. Let's run this shitty yeah. government like now, a shitty government. Now, Have some money. Yeah. Now look what happened. <laughs> they see Biden's in charge now. And all of a sudden, they are greatly emboldened. They're stepping out from the woodwork everywhere we see them. Hackers and everything else are attacking yeah. our pipelines. And, and, and this is from the people who are saying, we're going to solve this freedom from want. It's human nature. It's not going to happen. You learn to work with human nature, not against it. Anybody who has had children knows that you can spoil them rotten for an entire day. Take them to Disneyland, get them every treat they want, get them the balloons and everything else. I don't know what you do at Disneyland. And <laughs> Didn't go there until I was a teenager. It was a totally different experience. But anyway, you can shower them with blessings all day long, and they will still be asking you for stuff at the end of the day. There is no freedom from want, because you ask anybody who has gotten things that they want, then they just want something else and something else and something else. Right. And so w when he's talking about want in this context, it's lacking things that you need. But then who puts who puts the boundaries on that? Who gets to say how much you need? Well, and whenever we talk about need, even if you give everybody what they need, they're going to want what they want. There's never, there's a no Obama end. phone. I do want an Obama phone. Those look really nice. My phones are. But but if, if we're going to decide what everybody needs, who gets to decide that? Right. That's not freedom if somebody else is telling right. you, you have everything what you need. What you need might just be enough protein for you to survive for another day. Mm -hmm. So I lend green. Mm, it's people. Well, and that goes back to. Oh, I said that wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so like green eats people? Is that what she said? No, I said, mmm, it's people. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's us. Doesn't surprise me a bit, though. Going back to anybody that has kids, you hear them say things like, I need that thing. No, you don't. That's not sustaining your life force. You don't need that. You want it. But to your point, Diane, who gets to decide what is a need and what is a want? And what did that look like in communist countries? It literally meant just enough food for you to survive and lions for a potato. Yeah. You know, you get you get enough protein to survive, and then if you want some starch, hey, 
get God in line. For, God forbid there, you should want to take a gas. And you think the toilet yeah. paper shortage was bad during COVID. <laughs> when we were talking about new speech, or new speak, you were reading that article, and part of it said it was talking about infrastructure, and they, somebody made the point, there was a quote in there, that we wouldn't think of broadband as part of infrastructure 10 years ago because it wasn't a thing. And so as we start to develop in developing countries, then we look at other parts of the world and go, well, they don't just need food and water and shelter and safety. They also need high-speed internet. They also need free health care. They also need access to abortions. They also need all of this other stuff. So where, where does it stop? Where does it stop? These people need to be able to look up cute kitty videos. We have to get them the internet <laughs> now. And register to vote. Uh, where? The cats? On the internet. <laughs> the fourth, the fourth freedom was freedom from fear. Well, to my knowledge, the only real answer to that, Scripture gives us there's no fear in love. Freedom from fear. And then he says, we're going to give it to the point where no nation has enough arms to assault another nation. In, he says, in such a thorough fashion, we're yes. going to reduce arms in such a thorough fashion. Yes. And I'm, what what kind of a picture do you get? Door I'm, to door, not your arms. Oh, I I was <laughs> I was thinking we cut it off at the elbow and you have if, just enough to grab a coffee cup. If we give but not up hurt our, anybody. <laughs> if we set the pace and we give up our arms, and I take you back to salt treaties and all of the things there, who then? has the capacity, the ability to police this? Who has the ability to defend us? You you wouldn't need the ability to defend us because everyone else is so committed to this that they have really, really destroyed all of their weapons. So Nairobi just sent us this order for 300 tons of nitrogen fertilizer because they want to help yeah. out there. Yeah, yeah their crops yes uh-huh. at the same time they ordered six rider trucks it's <laughs> it's it's not explosives it's just a little well bit you have of, to transport it somehow it's, it's like iran right now we need to be able to cook this uranium and the better we can cook right. it the more electric power we can generate right that's all that, we're concerned with because they're always so concerned about how much power they have for their people they have a lot of concern for their folks over there. Yeah, they do. They have a lot of concern for the Israelis, too. <laughs> Let's see if we can make them glow in the dark. The The whole idea of, of I probably freedom. probably shouldn't have said that. <laughs> <laughs> How the many whole... times a day do you say that, Joe? <laughs> a lot. A lot. It's my mantra. Audibly or just in his head? Because there's two different numbers. The whole idea of freedom from fear, fear is a choice. Fear is something you decide, am I going to be afraid of this or not? If you have a little kid who's afraid of monsters in his closet and you give him a squirt bottle full of water and say, this is your monster poison, just shoot it at them. Now they're not afraid anymore. That water squirter spray gun thingy is not actually an effective weapon, but because you have instilled confidence in this child, they are now free from fear. So what gives us confidence instead of fear i think that's a very individual thing i do think it's interesting though if you if you reduce all of the arms 
down to the elbow, as Joe said. If you take away all weaponry from everybody, you're not evening the playing field because there are 103 pounds soaking wet girls like me up against much larger fellows who don't need a weapon to attack me. So you're actually completely changing the, the playing field where if everybody has guns, it's pretty even. Depends on what how good of a shot you are. But why but would a man do all, that? Because he, there's nothing that he wants for. There's only love, <laughs> happiness, and butterflies left. Butterflies with a camera. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>